0: Hello, and welcome to The Leap. We are really glad you are here and want to thank you for joining us today. This is your podcast to guide you on how you too can make the leap from working for someone else to being in business for yourself full time. Before we dive in, remember, you can find the entertaining video version of this episode and others on YouTube. Now let's begin. Here's your host and fellow Leaper, Tim May.
1: Hello, this is Tim May and welcome to The Leap. I've got a special guest in the building today. Y'all are in for a treat. Dr. Asina Madison. How are you?
0: I'm well. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. It's an honor to be here. Oh
1: my gosh. Noah's honor to have you. My goodness. The Garden of Eden Health Center, Chesterfield, Virginia.
0: Hey, man, to that. Go ahead and say something <laughs> about it. Go
1: ahead, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, what you do.
0: Well, my name is Dr. Asina Madison. I'm a primary care physician. And I found a passion with um, nutrition, lifestyle medicine, using nutrition to treat, prevent, and reverse diseases. So Mm. that's what I'm loving and doing at the Garden of Eden Health Center. We're on the south side of Chesterfield. And I still do the bread and butter primary care. So any medical problems, acute issues, high blood pressure, diabetes, or a sore throat, we take care of it. But we also get to you know, do nutrition education and really get people to think about taking ownership of their life and their health, and that's what I'm passionate about is educating people in that journey so that they're successful. So
1: the full package.
0: Full package. Body, soul, and spirit. That's our motto.
1: So Garden of Eden, how'd you come up with that name?
0: You know, it was definitely a God-given name. I was at a conference, um, the International Nutrition and Medicine Conference in D.C., I guess two years now, and they were talking about how to reverse diseases with plant-based diet. And I had never heard of this research, but when they were sharing it, it was just like, I knew it was true. I mean, there's no way that a body that's always being regenerated has to stay disease-stricken. And so they were just sharing research after research. And, you know, the guy was like, you know, it's in your own Bible. It's in Genesis. Mm. And I'm just like, let me go back and check it out. You know, it's in Genesis 129 about eating what grows out of the ground, off a tree. And so, you know, just felt like one of those Esther moments for such a time as this and they're sharing. And I'm like, their practices are successful. I'm like, so y'all can take care of people, focus on this and still be okay as a business. And I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And just kind of went, walked and talked with God. And he was like, yeah, you can do it. And I was like, all right. And I'm like, when? He's like, yeah, now. Oh, and I'm
1: like, I mean, now
0: is it. Now, now. And so I was like, so what do I call him? He's he was like the Garden of Eden Health Center. So it's about mm. getting back to God's original design, body, soul, and spirit. And so, you know, when you think about, you know, biblically in Genesis, it says man was made in God's image and likeness, right? And so does God have any sickness or disease? <laughs> you know, just in your imagination, you, he's not walking around overweight and having heart trouble. Yeah. He's He's perfectly healthy. And so if that's who we're made after, then so should we be. And so your original design is with total health. And he gives man his original diet in Genesis 129. And he's like, he grows out of ground off a tree. And that's what the research supported. And then, you know, it's even better. They've got good relationships. You know, Adam and Eve before the fall, they've got a great marriage. They're naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. I mean, go ahead, marry people, do your thing, right? So, and God walks with them in the cool little day. So, you know, that spiritual well being and relationship with God is present. And so- You know that's a whole living right there, so that's kind of what you want to get to.
1: Okay, um, wow. If you live in the Greater Richmond area and you need a doctor, uh, wow, Doctor Sina Madison is the one. You, you, are you my mother's doctor? Is that? I think I was at my mom's house a month or two ago, and she said that you're now her doctor. I can't even confirm. God bless you. God bless you. (laughs) Ooh. Love you mom cuz she's going to be watching this and uh <laughs> yep she's uh she's making some changes and it takes people some time and it everything does. like that but her health I see her health improving and Excellent. I want my mom for around for a long time right yes, and yes. Um, that's what life is about let's talk about your childhood let's go way back all right Alrighty. And but even before I do that, so you are a doctor. Yes. And you own your own practice. That's
0: correct. I own my own practice. I opened up just last year in February. So I signed the lease in February and we probably saw our first patient in like March. So
1: <laughs> it's so exciting. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's go to your childhood. Okay. Where are you from? Tell me a little bit about your childhood.
0: So I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, Midwest. Um, and I'm the youngest of six children. My mom and dad are still both alive in St. Louis. Um, they were actually separated my entire upbringing. So ever since I was two, I've only remembered my mom raising us. So single parent home raising us, but we live with my grandmother. so we grew up on welfare, so we, we're not at the top of the line when it comes to finances. but one thing my mom emphasized was education. you know, you were gonna make the best grades possible you got rewarded. Like if you made straight A's, you got 10 bucks. Every A you got, you got a dollar. If you got a B, 50 cents, C's and D's, nothing. You get a -A D-A-F, you get a whooping. So (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) like, I learned real fast on this scheme of, huh, I'd rather have $10. I'm going to try to make straight A's, you know? And so you shoot for the stars even when you're younger because you're getting that immediate reward. So parents use that to your advantage. So um, it was great. And when you're the youngest, you can kind of see everybody else doing their thing. So I'm very observant. Um, we're about two years apart in general. And so my oldest brother, I'm 37. So he is 48. Okay. So that gives you a nice bandwidth, you know, you can see him go to college, make his mistakes and he'll Mm -hmm. come back and share what to do, what not to do, how to be successful. And that kind of just kept setting me up to have more opportunities and to, you know, get a good idea of what life was kind of about before I got there.
1: So you are in what grade when the idea of becoming a doctor comes or or like when, when was that? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. So I was actually in 10th grade and we had done an international, American Youth Foundation was an international conference that helped develop leaders. And, you know, when you're in high school, you never want to sit down and not talk, but they were like, take 30 minutes, sit down, no talking and answer two questions. You know, what are you passionate about? What would you do even if you didn't get paid? Mm-hmm. And then the second was, how can you use that to make a difference? And so, you know, I'm sitting and thinking, I'm like, well, I'm fascinated with the human body. You know, I have been blessed to have, I love food. <laughs> and ever since like elementary school, the first after school activity I remember going to was a math and science mm. program. But it's just because they had popcorn. And I was like, I'm hungry. I want some. I'm showing up. They started doing experiments and I was hooked. And so it just a nice trajectory that in middle school, all the best math and science programs, they always had food. So I kept coming. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, where there was food, there I was, and I was loving and and just developing this passion for it. And so I love math and science, the human body, that was my thing. And I just thought, how can I make a difference? If I hated unnecessary suffering. Mm. And so I was like, well, that combination, I could either be a doctor or a nurse. And I was like, what's the difference between the two? And I'm like, oh, the doctor gets the final say. And I was like, I want the final say. You know, if it comes to someone I'm taking care of and I believe I have the best judgment, I didn't want to be in a position where I always had to be second to someone else's opinion. So I was like, I'll be a doctor. And from that point on, I just shot forward and just set my path. But I remember asking my mom if I said I wanted to be anything else before then. She was like, no, you never said what you wanted to be. Now, in my mind, I think I at least wanted to be an astronaut once, but (laughs) It was definitely solidified in that um, between ninth and 10th grade year.
1: So you are going through your high school career, Mm -hmm. and you're starting to look at colleges. Where did you go to school?
0: I attended the Washington University in St. Louis. Wow, tough
1: academic school.
0: Yeah, you know, it was what we call the Harvard of the Midwest. And because I went to a predominantly black high school, and it was challenging. We were in the suburbs, but really so close to the city, you could reap both benefits. But my high school, I went to Normandy High School and they always questioned our caliber coming from there. Mm. So I was actually valedictorian. So, you know, that just comes from your mom being like, she'd come up to the school if I had an issue. (laughs) I got lots of whoopings growing up. (laughs) (laughs) So Leadership started in elementary school. My teacher realized if I was acting up, the class would act up. If I acted right, they would act right. And so thus the whippings began and I had to learn real fast that leadership is positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And I was tired of getting whippings and I was like, yeah, so I'm gonna (laughs) get my act together.
1: (laughs) So you go to this amazing university. yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And I knew they were preparing people for um, medical school. And so since I knew I wanted to be a doctor, I wanted to be sure I came from a school that the credibility, if I did well there, it meant I could do well anywhere. And so, thankfully, I was on scholarship. God bless that I went full ride. I mean, wow. I had so much scholarship money, they had to take some back.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So,
0: um, like, high school seniors, you out there, apply for everything. You know, if it's $500, $1,000, I it apply for it. You know, it's like, if you're black, that's me, I'm applying for it. If your parents yep. are poor, it's a great time to yep. not have a lot of money when you're applying yep. for college because then yep. you get grants and, you know, just... If you worked hard, it was definitely a time to be rewarded. And so I thank God for that opportunity. And, and so, there are
1: people out there that are looking to help people mm-hmm. um, who need the help.
0: Yeah. I haven't got a Gates Millennium Scholarship.
1: What? Yeah.
0: Gates Millennium. Yeah. So. You are a
1: Gates Scholar?
0: I'm a Gates Scholar.
1: Wow. Okay. So
0: thank you, Bill Gates. Yeah, Bill and Yeah, for Melinda. sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, someone who had a dream. Mm-hmm. Built a business, Mm -hmm. defied the odds, and is able to help a lot of people.
0: That's exactly right. And so I'm grateful for those who know to look back and support the next generations.
1: So you're in college and you're on this path. Then where'd you go to medical school?
0: I went to VCU School of Medicine. So it was called Medical College of Virginia back then. Okay. And I was deciding between that school and another, but I ended up doing a one-year graduate program. And so that's how I came to Virginia. And I thought I was going to be here one year because what's in Virginia? Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. But once I
0: got here, I realized the people at the medical school treated you like family. Ooh. And so I knew if I was going to a rigorous academic institution like medical school, I needed a family type of yes. support. And so yes. they gave me that. And I had a church family attended. Mount Gilead and that was very supportive I was a part of the Christian Medical Dental Association in Richmond that was very supportive so I knew I was going to have the social support yes, yeah. in place to help me with doing a very difficult time which
1: is which is which is crucial
0: it's so crucial I mean
1: people um can think that they can do it on their own um and my question is why mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it's 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 Learning can be right outside the way you think, and when you're exposed to different things and your mind grows, it can open up opportunities mm-hmm. uh, for so Okay, so you're in medical school. Talk to, talk to us about that.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember getting some really good advice from an upper level, and he said, medical school is a marathon, so mm-hmm. don't try and sprint. And so you can get on this roller coaster of, like, binging to the next exam, then crashing, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and so— that's not sustainable, and so he was like, "Just run it like a marathon." And I remember thinking, "Okay, like a marathon." And so, you know, it was it was definitely challenging. It's it's not easy, but when you know, well, I'll go back to college because college, you know, I graduated valedictorian from high school, so I'm used to you know doing stellar, like getting yep. A's. Yep. And then I go into that first year of college and I'm not getting A's. Mm. Like I got a C. Mm. And then the next test, I got a D. And I was just like, I studied more. How do you get a D? Yep. And so I barely made it through the test without crying and just <laughs> being wiped out. And yep. I remember going to sit on the bleachers after the test and I was just like, okay, God, like, I never asked you if I should be a doctor. You know, I was like, I just thought, I, you know, I just put it together, just had that discussion, but... I was like, no doctor is failing general chemistry. Like, we're not, you can't go and be a doctor if you can't pass chemistry. And so I was like, hey, I don't care what I do. I just want to be successful at something. And um, so I cried it out. And then I remember going to church one time, not paying attention to the service. And I was like, okay, God, you know, should I become a doctor? Just talking in my head. And then... The minister is like, yes, like really exuberant. <laughs> and I'm just like, um, is he answering me? Like, <laughs> you know, I really wasn't sure what I was you're expecting. Right, like, you know, right. you're supposed to hear God in your head or something, like otherwise. But I wasn't really a professional at hearing from God. So I was just, and I was like, okay, um, not sure if that one was for me. So God, I'm gonna ask you one more time. Do you want me to be a doctor? And then the minister was exuberant. It was like, yes. And I was like, all right. There you go. I'm going to take it and run. And so (laughs) what I realized is I was supposed to be a doctor. I just didn't know how to study. And so sometimes when you're not doing well in school, like you have to learn to think a different way Mm -hmm. in college. And I never had to think that way. I mean, I could either memorize it or cram it in and pass the test. But for a longevity pattern, you know, with your health, you don't want me cramming it that in. Right. You need me to understand right. it, synthesize it, put it together, think critically, and then execute a plan. So I just needed to learn how to think and thank God for good mentors. Like Dr. Harvey Fields was a great mentor during that time for me. He was actually a pastor and getting his PhD in um, chemistry. So wow. it was a win-win scenario. So I wasn't doing that journey alone either. I had good support. So he helped me with the academic part. As well as the emotional support part as you're going through something, uh, all those challenges. So
1: so you graduate from medical school mm-hmm. and then what?
0: Then I went to residency at Chesterfield Family Practice. So that's right on the south side of Richmond as well. Um Dr. James Anderson was my mentor there. So he's my attending. Shout out
1: to Dr. Anderson, longtime family friend. Yeah,
0: amazing. You know, they call him the evangelist in the white coat.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And everybody in Richmond, Virginia knows him.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's such a pillar of wisdom and just a genuine love for people. And so, yeah, that's the kind of person you want to follow. And he would offer to pray with his patients at the end of the visits. And it was just such a... Just a wonderful thing, and his patients loved it. Like if he tried to leave out the room because he was trying to get to the next patient, he didn't pray. They would say, "Um, "You forgot to pray with me. Like come back and let's finish this properly." And so I just remember being like, "I'm going to offer that to my patients. Mm. Like that's a wonderful kind of spiritual impact to go with the natural that you're working with." So I took that nugget from him, and that was a three-year journey, and graduated from there, and. You know, took a couple months to take a reprieve because, you know, once you start working in medicine, (laughs) there are no no real vacations after that. (laughs) So I took three months off and I was like, I'm not working for anybody. Like I'm just going to take a break. Uh, And then I, you know, did some locums work as I applied to work at. I mean, that's where I worked. And so that was great because it was a faith based organization. And so I enjoyed that. And then once I learned about corporate medicine, that's where I began to think about, it it challenged me into thinking, maybe you won't be able to just be a doctor where you Mm -hmm. just take care of people. Like there's somebody else influencing your time, your schedule, how long you can take with a patient. Yeah. And you start to think about when are we compromising care over quality and where's all this money going that we're trying to make anyway? Like at what point do I get to say it's enough and I just want to take good care of my patients and so that's when it got to thinking about that entrepreneurial, I might have to do this in medicine too or this is just not working. All I knew was this is not working yeah. anymore and so I was just ready for any reason to leave. So when it came, I did.
1: Wow, Dr. Asina Madison, the Garden of Eden Health Center in Chesapeake, Virginia. Oh my gosh, if you're looking for a doctor, i, I <laughs> looking for a doctor. She is not paying me to say this, I'm seriously. <laughs> If you could just feel, if you're listening, if you're watching this, if you can, if you can just hear her spirit, feel her spirit, you want a medical professional with her spirit to take care of you. It's just, it's beyond. I, you know, you go into a doctor's office, and I think a lot of us have felt this. You go into a doctor's office, and they're in a rush. They get to you. They're rushing. It is almost as if. They're even battling this. I know I'm a doctor. I know I need to be helping this person, but I've got four and a half to seven minutes with this person before I've got to get to the next appointment. Mm -hmm. And to no fault of their own, the system is the way it is. And it just is not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, America, you know, the health system, it's got its challenges. You're figuring some things out, though, and you're doing some things different. We'll get into that in a moment, but... Walk me through the moment that you were like, you know what? This is not the way it should be. I need to do it differently and have my own practice.
0: Uh, you know, I had some colleagues who were 60 plus and they there are just loads of wisdom. And so at, at some point when you're trying to work through the proper chain of command and it keeps coming back as the shut door and you realize they're not listening, like your voice is not heard and when you realize that even as a physician, you know, in other, you know, it's a career where people think, oh, you've got job security and then something happens and you realize I'm expendable yeah. to this system. And that is a very interesting feeling to say when, when you realize somebody doesn't value all that you bring to the table. And I think when you work so hard and you have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, you kind of have the... I don't have to take this. You know, you're not really sure. I wasn't really sure where that was going. Because if you had asked me any given day, do I want to start my own practice? The answer was always no, I do not. I just want to take care of people. And I didn't want to be bothered with insurance companies and that whole world. I just wanted to take care of people and just have my encounter and do that well. And I knew it was a whole monster load <laughs> if you go and open your own practice as a doctor. And so they don't even train us in medical school on how to run a practice or the business of medicine. You know, so that's something we've been challenging is doctors shouldn't come out of medical school without being trained on the business of medicine. So, and, and which you means systemically, they set you up to always work for somebody that's else. Ex- oh,
1: same Sorry thing with at, the at, same I, thing school with them business them school. You mm-hmm. go into the business school and maybe some schools are different. You go into the business school and- you learn different functions, but you don't actually learn how to actually own a business. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like, but it's business. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I went to the University of Richmond and my first two years, I was always an entrepreneur-minded person. My first two years, wasn't the greatest student, but it was because I was bored. It was like, when are they going to start talking about actually, it's a its a business school. When are they going to actually start on, talking about owning a business? And... um it never never came really it literally never came and um after two and a half years uh it was an agreed upon conversation between the associate dean and myself that uh if i was going to graduate in four years i would have to go find another major (laughs) and since they weren't teaching you how to own a business anyways i said okay i'll 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 major in something else and Mm. um you know, I want a business anyways. Yeah. Um, But it's just interesting how they don't even, even in medical school or other professions, they don't even, they don't teach you how to own it.
0: Yeah. And it's different because, you know, we're in different waves because people who are probably in their 60s now, when they came out of medical school, that's what they did. They went out, hung their shingle, mm. and they owned their own business, you know. And th- now we went through a wave of hospital groups, starting to buy the small private practices and so that's how they're building now and you know it's a different model and so but you know when you're learning grassroots there's a whole lot of learning mistakes that you're making because you haven't been trained on really how to do this so
1: so you make the decision Mm -hmm. and walk us through that process of decision to actually opening up on the first day
0: yeah. So when I fat, had my come to Jesus, you're going to open this up now. I was working somewhere else. So I had to give them as a doctor, you have to give like a three month notice. Wow. So,
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I was like, OK, you know, at first I had to make sure I was hearing from God because, you know, you feel like, is that really real? And, and who's going to help me out? And so some names started dropping in and I was like, OK. And um, so I gave my notice and I was like, OK, well you know, practically, I was like, I don't want to be here at Christmas time. So I'm at least going to stop before Christmas so that I can start the next year fresh, have some time to think about it. And I started to kind of think through what should I be doing now? I started to talk to another um, business owner who had, it was actually a nurse practitioner who was known to kind of help other doctors start their practice. And what's great is that guy was leading her, like putting me on her heart. And she was like, I've been thinking about you. And so that was just a great connection. So she's been helping me walk through kind of what you do on the back end and you got to start the insurance process before you open the doors, actually. yep. So, you know, she was helping me with that, you know, getting your um, organization, you know, incorporated and, you know, you got to talk to lawyers because you need to figure out how should this be set up? I need to set this up right. You've got to think about malpractice. So a lot of litigious things. So yep. you've got to consult with other people that you probably have never had to talk to before. So lawyers who know about medicine and accountants who know about medicine and
1: and you got there by asking questions yeah. and just I
0: just because you don't asking, know what you don't know. You, you, yeah. I just had to keep asking. All I knew is you don't want to get sued. <laughs> and you need all these things in place. And if you've never done it, you've got to ask to get those resources.
1: And let's, so I just kept asking. Let's, let's, let's take a moment on this point. Cause there are people watching this and listening, and they don't know how to navigate. Mm-hmm. The power is in the questions when you can just ask one question get the answer then ask another question and then that takes you on the next kind of maybe two more steps the, the power is in the question mm-hmm. because like you said you didn't know necessarily like where it was going to happen or how it was going to happen but being resourceful is what business ownership is yes And so you found someone and you asked them and they knew somebody and they knew something and that led you to the next thing. Yep. And so, you you know, the turn of the year, talk to me about leading up to you open up the doors.
0: So the person I talked to, we're actually trying to find a location. And so I'm looking for different locations, going to check out spaces. Do you want to build out or not? And how much is that going to cost? and considering I had just figured this out three months ago. It's not (laughs) like I had set this capital to the side where I'm like, yeah, I've been planning on my life for this moment. So it was pretty much, okay, I'm about to go into my own 401k and invest in myself. And so all the money that goes there, you're you're looking at setting this up. Um, Thankfully, we found a really good spot and it was already built out for a clinical space. So that was wonderful. And thank God the owner, actually the builder, is the one who um, leases the location as well. So, okay. and he's a believer Okay, and which means we talked about it. We shook hands on it. And that was that Wow. because he said the next day, somebody called him who was willing to pay full price. <laughs> <laughs> and he was giving me a, a starter discount. huh. And I was just like, thank you, God, for this man yep. having integrity to say, because I told you verbally that we would do it. I'll honor that. And so that was very favorable. So I had a location. And once I was, you know, I had my, it's a um, Corp, professional corporation. So that's how it's structured. Um, I had to decide which kind of electronic health record to get. So I consulted with some other docs. And actually before I left, um, I was up in Baltimore. Before I left Baltimore, I went to Delaware to follow a doctor who was doing nutrition and medicine, kind of lifestyle medicine And learning the ropes. Like, I was like, I want to see somebody who's doing this. Yes. And I'm a visual learner. I'm kind of like, I want to see it, touch it, be around it. Because if I can see you do it, then I have that assurance. Okay, I can do this. And so I wanted to see somebody living and acting and doing it out. And uh, he was like, yeah, sure. Anytime you want to come, come up there. I so I did. I drove right on up there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, shadow him for the day and he's been a great resource. I could just call yeah. and ask for different information. So definitely um a blessing there. So
1: Dr. Madison, you said it. I mean, the essence of this sh- the ep- the essence of this podcast is if they can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. It's this the seeing it, the hearing it, you know, the connections that may be made, because it just when you see life in somebody else and them living their dreams it can kind of almost give someone a spark yeah and someone's listening to this and you know at first when they were first listening they they heard doctor and mm-hmm. uh they they're like well i'm not a doctor so but they kept watching right and they, mm-hmm. they're, they're listening to this right and two three five ten minutes in they're like wait a minute if she can do it, I can do it, and it might not be to become a doctor, own a practice. It mm-hmm. can be whatever it is, um, because there is struggles and there's um, hurdles to overcome, no matter what. Yeah. But you hit on it. It's like if I just I can. It's in here. I can figure it out, and be a, and be a problem So What's one of the hurdles, or what's one of the things that has been challenging that leading up to opening up your practice? And then we'll kind of get into your story of opening up the door.
0: Yeah. So when the doctor I shadow was Dr. David Donahue, and I remember him telling me to the effect of, "You're gonna have to always be hiring and always almost firing." So like, he was like, "That just comes at the territory," yeah. and I'm kind of a softy, you know. <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't want to fire anybody, you yeah. know. You hope people are like you and that they'll have good work ethic. And by the way, don't
1: forget your thought. But by the way, mm-hmm. it is harder. This is my personal opinion. It is harder for an owner of a company to fire somebody than when you're in corporate America and you are an employee of the company. Yes. is not your company and you have to fire somebody. Yes. It's, I just, it's, it's gut-wrenching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's gut-wrenching. But anyways. Because
0: mm-hmm. you're thinking about their life. Yes. Their family. How are they going to survive after this? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm in human resources. Like I care about people's yeah. lives. And so when you know you're changing something about a person's life that big, you're just like, is there another way? Yeah. And you keep trying to figure out this other way and it's just not and working for your yeah. business. And so you have to make that decision and say, wow, I do have to let you go. And that has probably been the toughest, the toughest one of the yeah, toughest yeah. things. Cause it's like, oh, that's Yeah. Real.
1: Oh my gosh. You know, there. Uh, you know, I don't know when the audience is listening to this, um, if, based on the timing, but it's uh, it's 2020 at the time of, the, of us recording this, mm-hmm. and you know, there's been some sickness with um, you know COVID nineteen and mm-hmm. things like that, and um, with even with my with my company and having to you know lay people off, it, it was I literally had to call my mentor and ask him how to. Lay somebody off. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew the words to say, but like, how do you actually do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm getting emotional right now. You have to like, he walked me through it. And then, so I call the first person and it's like the first person I've ever hired, right? Mm-hmm. So it's extra mo. And I am cry- I am crying. She's, consult- she's consoling me. Like, she's consoling me. Tim, it's going to be okay. Tim is going to, because these are, They're family, right? Mm
0: -hmm. You've built a relationship. Yeah.
1: It's tough. mm -hmm. It's tough. So you open up, walk us through the night before you open up the doors for the first time. I don't want to hear about (laughs) it. You know, the
0: funny thing is the person counseling me, you know, I wanted to have all these things perfect. So even though I haven't been planning this for years, I kind of was like, you know, it's got to be perfect. And she was like, no, just open the door. Mm. She was like, you don't need anybody else. You can check them in, you can see them, you can treat them and you can send them out. And it was like, you're right. You know, in your mind, I'm used to this big structure where there's a front desk and there's all these people working. You've got nurses and you've got people answering the phones. And so, you know, this mega, you know, the big growth. Yeah, But now it's just like, it's you and you realize, okay, I'm well labeled. You're right. You know, and... I did it and I, I had my first patient and she thought it went fine and she keeps coming back and like she's still my patient <laughs> <laughs> to this day. And so I messed up all kinds of stuff because like I hadn't put her insurance in, right? You know, just- And they don't and, know. And they just, she was like, it's okay. And so the good thing about taking care of people who you're okay with being transparent with them and just, you know, you- it's like you're doing life with them in a sense. Yeah. They, they're they also gracious to you. Yeah. And so I appreciate that for my patience. That's and-
1: a huge lesson. Mm-hmm. Because when you are in corporate America, there's so much about trying to be impressive. Yes. You have the spirit of being impressive because you want, that, you want to be noticed so that you can get that raise or that promotion. And when you own your own business, it's almost a humbling spirit that you have to have. Because now it's a spirit of truly serving people, mm-hmm. and you're right. Like people, they they're, they 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 love you for that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And man, man, we're getting a lot of nuggets. I'm y'all. Yeah. Y'all are getting a lot of value out of this. <laughs> um. I, I got some more questions. I want to keep rolling. You, okay. gotta, you got a little more time. Yeah. So, um, so that's day one. Um, talk about one of the blessings, like. What is something that you're able to do because you are your own boss and you own your own practice that you maybe were not able to do when you're working for somebody else?
0: Yeah. So in college, I realized, you know how you can make your own schedule in college? I realized I didn't want to have my first class till 10 o'clock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, or, not an early riser. I-
0: Actually, I like waking up early, but not to serve others, I got but, to, you. but to love on myself, right? So I need to get a workout in. I need to edify myself spiritually. Yeah, no. You know, I should have breakfast and then I should be ready to go, sir. Maybe knock out something on my own to-do list because when you work eight to five, five days a week, when are you going to do the things that are only open from so eight to five? True. It's just kind of like you know, DMV is not going to open for you during on the weekend if they're not open on the exactly. weekend. And so, you know, you don't think about that until you're in the situation where your time is obligated. Yep. And so I was like, I would love to start my day at 10. And so really I actually started at nine because okay. I just, you know, in your mind, you feel this pressure to perform. And then COVID hit and I was like, you know, we need to shorten the hours anyway to make it more effective. And so it started at 10 and I'm like, I'm not changing that. I've been looking to start my schedule at ten since I was in college, yep. and now that I'm doing it, I'm yep. just gonna thank God. And, and keep when it you <laughs> were working
1: for another doctor's office or yeah. offices, you started at what? What time did you have to be at work? Eight.
0: I had to start by eight, you know. And you you need to show up by seven thirty to, yeah, to to be, see the eight o'clock because you got to prepare. Yeah. And so even though I open, you know, I started the first patient at ten, I'm there by nine thirty so yeah. we can huddle and prepare for the day so it runs smoother. And so that's been my biggest, my latest, like, joy is to say I can finally start oh, it, it is, a,
1: it is a beautiful, <laughs> folks. I'm telling you, business ownership is a sleep-in person's dream. It is. It is. And I, I mean, I live on the East Coast, but I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. And so I tell people 37 years later, I'm still on West Coast time. My body is still on West Coast time. So mm-hmm. that that- Early, early, early morning to start working—that uh, just doesn't—that doesn't flow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, senior year in college, those eight-fifteens—I didn't yeah. really make too. I didn't really make too many of those, you know, <laughs> just mm, a little too early. Uh-huh. A little too early. So when you're on your own, boss, you know, oh my gosh, just the, the Sunday, the Sunday evening gut check, like oh my gosh. I got to show up tomorrow morning in that feeling. And when you're on your own business, it's like, just don't have that.
0: Mm -hmm. And when you're on your own business, if you have that, I don't want to show up, it's on you. Like, what have you done with what you're doing that you have that feeling? And usually it means there's something that you need to confront that you haven't. At least for me, that's what it is. It's like, that's because you haven't confronted this issue. If you just clear that issue up, because I'm doing what I love, I'm doing what I'm passionate about. And so that's that God-given, You know, it gives you the drive to do it because you just love it. You know, it's not even on your mental radar. It's just you do it and you're like, this is a great day. You know, I was born for this.
1: Yes, joy.
0: Joy, yeah. And so it's so important to encourage people. Like I know people are listening in different areas, but what you're passionate about is so much attached to your career choice. And so don't let people tell you, you need to do something that you'll get paid for. If you do what you're passionate for and you do it well, people will pay you for it. Living witness. And so it's so much more. And there's so much joy, enjoyment in life. And so don't settle for the lie of just doing something to get paid. That's such a lie. It, and then you almost aren't the best worker. <laughs> How many people have you encountered and you know they were not passionate about that job? You you almost wish they didn't come to work that yeah. day because their attitude is so
1: yeah.
0: stank. And yeah. so you just kind of neat to say, be where your purpose to be, and you would enjoy being there. And for every person that's not being the owner, I mean, there's some great people who are just, you know, and thank God for them. Otherwise, yep. there would be no businesses right. that run. Yeah, Everybody cannot right. be the visionary. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got to manage it and, and make it Shout out to my work.
1: employees. Love y'all.
0: Amen to that. So I'm grateful for my nurses because yeah. it doesn't work well without them. Um, it's so much easier with them. And so, yeah, do it.
1: Dr. Madison where can they find you?
0: So you can find me online at Garden of Eden RVA so that's g-a-r-d-e-n-f-o-f-e-d-e-d-e-n am I saying right rva.com and we're also on Facebook with the same man Garden Eden RVA but we're located at 9549 Amberdale Drive in Chesterfield Virginia so if it's in the village of Amberley, if people in that area, they know where the sheets is. So okay. we'll buy the sheets. <laughs> okay, and we'll make sure we put
1: the address and all the contact information in the description part. Yeah, and sure. it's actually,
0: it's not too far from downtown. So it's about 15 minutes from downtown Richmond. You just, you know, take the toll rolls and you'll be at us. So don't feel like it's too far. We have people that come from Amelia, Petersburg, Fredericksburg. Of course they do. I'm amazed, and so of I'm grateful for do. that.
1: Uh, but uh, but of course they do. Um because people, uh, they, they, can, they can feel your spirit. And then when you do a good job, people tell other people. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, they're companies that pump so much money into marketing and advertising, that has its place. Mm-hmm. But there is no better marketing advertising than somebody saying, you know what? I just changed doctors to Dr. Madison in Chesterfield, Virginia, she is amazing. Oh, really? I mean, th- that's priceless, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's our, that is what we do most is to say, hey, if you appreciated this encounter, as a thank you, share with three friends. And so that's been how we've been growing mostly. And
1: you do, you do you do what Dr. James Anderson does sometimes and pray with your patients? Yeah,
0: I always offer it. And we're very respectful yeah. and say, you know, would it be helpful if I pray with you? Mm-hmm. And some say no, or some say in your personal time, and some say, I've never had a doctor ask me mm-hmm. that. And- they love it. And so it's a great way to capture and, and end that, that moment.
1: Dr. Asina Madison, the Garden of Eden Health Center. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for spending time with us.
0: Be in health, everybody.
1: Yeah. This is Tim May with The Leap.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends who you know would also love to take the leap. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you were leaving with some great things that can help you on your pathway to full-time business ownership. Now go out there and put one foot in front of the other. Until next time.